Hey guys, welcome to Rankin' Vile, the podcast where we are ranking every single horror movie ever made, from best to worst. And this is Ryan. And this is Quincy. How's it going, Quincy? How's your week going? Pretty good. Um, friend of our friend of the show, Lucas, mailed me like the Twin Peaks season one on VHS, and all the boxes line up so that they spell Twin Peaks when you put them on your shelf. Glorious. So I've been watching. Twin Peaks on on video, and uh, boy howdy, it does not include the pilot, and episode one, I forgot how crucial the pilot of that show is to (laughs) the entire series, because Mm -hmm. it's been a while since I've watched the pilot, but just diving into episode one, I was like, they mislabeled this tape, this is episode five, none of what's happening would make any sense for it to be the first episode of the show. Yeah, and honestly, that pilot episode, um, with Twin Peaks, starting out watching it, I watched that pilot episode, like, four times, and then bounced off it every time. Like, I never finished it, because it's like an hour and a half, and uh, it's it's a bit of a slog, but then finally it stuck, and then, you know, obviously I'm obsessed with it now, but like, that pilot episode, there's a lot of really weird sort of inconsistency with the rest of the, the series, where like, Dale Cooper is really standoffish and mean in the pilot episode. Yeah, and then he's just like a, a precious baby the rest of the series. This is I actually I I, I will never uh, I I will never not have like a, a Tiger Beat style poster of Special Agent Dale Cooper in my heart. Like he's he's your Boy Scout guide in hell. Um, but yeah, so uh, what 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 ghoul shit have you been uh, ensconced in this week? Well, I also need to remind you that in episode one he actually says to another fbi agent this one restaurant has a cup a pie that will kill you it will end your life like honestly <laughs> uh i kyle mclaughlin is you know i know the phrase unproblematic fave gets thrown around a lot these days I wonder, you know, how did David Lynch know that Kyle McLaughlin is Dale Cooper? Like, he just looked into that beautiful face and was like, my wonderful son, you're you're Special Agent Dale Cooper now. And then, also pairing him with Miguel Ferrer as Albert Rosenfeld, like, as, as just this, like, wet cat of a human being. Like, <laughs> I fucking, I really feel for Albert Rosenfeld for the fact that, like... My friend, the human ray of sunshine, Dale Cooper, went to this fucking town in the Pacific Northwest, and he got shot, and I, I'm scared for him. There's a bunch of yokels, and then just him going down there to, like, check on his friend. Like, I've got a lot of, I got a lot of feelings about uh, Albert Rosenfeld. In this week, this week we have another installment of wholesome shit, because yeah. I've not been doing a lot of ghoul stuff. <laughs> I bought the, the brand new... Um, Harvest Moon, uh, where you can pet wild animals as well as your farm animals. So I'm currently making friends with a brown bear in the woods. Oh, jeez. There's nothing better than walking up and petting a brown bear and saying, here's an acorn, friend. Can we be... Can we be buds? That's incredible. Oh my god. On, like, Harvest Moon, that game really should not be as fun as it is. If you look at it on paper, like, oh great, so I will do agriculture, and it's a video game? But yeah, it's like, as a teen, it's like, get fucked. But as an adult, <laughs> it's like, please, I'm begging you, let me raise a corn. <laughs> A single core. <laughs> you know what? Quarantine has helped in this regard, where it's just, uh, you know, we're all inside all the time. Like, there's some kind of a joy in playing a farming sim and cultivating that space and raising crops and proposing marriage with all manner of weird proposal items when you go into town for the harvest dance. Yeah, like, they are. And, and if, what I love is I've played a lot of uh, this ilk because without getting too deep into like the Harvest Moon story of seasons split with Natsume Stardew Valley and all that but I played a lot of these games and my favorite thing is grumpy standoffish men and wooing them with produce (laughs) (laughs) honestly what it is if your game doesn't have a fishing mini game get the fuck out of my house like if you're (laughs) If, if your game can have a fishing mini game, it should have a fishing mini game. This is my Absolutely. this is my hardline stance. 
Uh, so what have you been up to? Uh, I have been, so I, I, I goofed and decided to start frequenting the, uh, true crime subreddit. Oh, no. Uh, and, uh, I gotta tell you, um, I've reviewed my decision to do this and it was the wrong choice. Now, um, is this reddit.com slash true crime, like the actual <laughs> factual true crime reddit? Or is this like r slash warnos uh nutswingers or like r slash dreamy dahmer <laughs> first of all i'm not even going to question whether or not those are true subreddits because i'm entirely sure they're they're probably true um no yeah this is the regular degular r slash true crime um but i'm actually really pleased that now the thing with true crime it's kind of like the show nbc hannibal this thing could have attracted exactly two kinds of audience. Like, it's either going to be weird, scary shut-ins or, like, people in their 20s who read a lot of slash fic and somehow it managed to swing the second one. Um, the True Crime subreddit is actually not a... Hell I mean, it's a hellhole because of the content, but the users, I do love that uh, Sandy Hook truthers are banned on the site. On this oh, Reddit, that's great. That's wonderful news. It's it's just it's just you know it's just nice. Uh, but the problem is that I um, fell down a hole because there was a post about what is one detail in true crime history specifically that haunts you and that has stuck with you after you've made been made aware of the particulars of a case. And there are some fucking doozies on that one. Like it's people you know talking about some aspect of the thing that haunts them. And I decided to uh, smoke the whole pack and read the whole thread, and I had a bad afternoon. Just like, <laughs> you know, reading about these specific details of cases. Because I think so much of true crime, you know, if you can look at uh, a serial killer who kills, like, you know, six people, you're like, oh, that's six people. But when you actually dive into the specifics of it, it it's in a way that you can't... It, it's not, it's it's on a very intimate scale that you're just like, I want to die. This is the worst thing I've ever learned. So learn from my mistakes and don't go chasing waterfalls. Please stick <laughs> to the are, am I the asshole in relationships that you're used to. Um, but yeah, yeah, it was it was a bad time. Um, let's, all right, let's jump into the movie we are doing for this week. Uh, shit, goddamn. Uh, we are doing uh, Vampire's Kiss from 1988. Uh, starring Nicolas Cage. Quincy, had you seen this movie before? I had not seen this movie before, and boy, if I had a nickel for every time I said, what the fuck is happening? We would be able to fund this podcast for, <laughs> like the perpetual motion engine in Snowpiercer, this podcast would never end. Oh my god. It's This, this movie... Um, I had uh, seen it once before while I was very drunk, and then, you know, it popped up on Shudder while we were figuring out what movies we were, you know, wanting to do uh, for the for the podcast, and then I saw the, the, the beautiful visage of Nicolas fucking Cage with that haircut popping up on my Shudder, and was like, oh, this will be fun. And you know what? I was right. I was correct. I had a great time. Um, now, this is billed as a comedy, but I don't believe for a fucking second... That it was dur on set, everyone was talking about it being funny. That's, you know what? Yeah, like when uh, Tommy Wiseau's The Room came out and then started billing itself as a black comedy because people laughed their guts out at live showings of it. And so they decided to retroactively be like, uh, yeah, it's like a, it's a dark comedy. It's meant to be this. That's 100% what happened with the, the marketing behind Vampire's Kiss. Listen, Joseph Minion, the screenwriter, wrote this movie on vacation with his girlfriend and wrote the Jennifer Beals character as his girlfriend. And then, surprise, they broke up. He was going to direct the movie and couldn't because it got too real for him. He did not write a comedy script. No, he absolutely didn't. Now, the thing is that the, uh, yeah, the behind-the-scenes thing about Vampire's Kiss is that apparently the screenwriter, um, I, you know that thing where you're watching a movie and you feel like you've been cornered and somebody is, be, like, doing therapy with you and they think that you're their therapist and they're gonna, like, unload all of the shit on you? Yeah. That's this. Like, this is a movie <laughs> like, oh, you were going through a relationship problem, huh? Um, 
and apparently, you know, the writer of the thing was like, yeah, you know, like I wanted to t- talk about how my uh, ex is like a like a vampire who's, you know, draining me. Um, I think that's in the mix if you look for it. But everything else about this movie is so goddamn bonkers that you're almost like, I don't know what this movie thinks it's saying about gender politics or relationships or vampires. <laughs> like It's incoherent in a fascinating way. <laughs> It's it's incoherent, but also I think there's some kind of magic on this movie. I don't know what it is. My, all right, my, my question off top. If you replaced uh, Nicolas Cage with like a, like a Jeremy Irons, okay? Like you, you got some like perfectly great actor who can, who can, you know, be in stuff. Would this movie be as nuts as it is if you had anybody but Nick Cage in 1988 doing this? You know, that's really interesting because I was thinking about Dead Ringers while watching this movie because mm-hmm. it's very much in the same ilk of upper uh, west side New Yorker goes insane in apartment. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just like spiraling into madness. Um, he <laughs> And, yeah, and so... I wonder, it would certainly work, but it would be an entirely different <clears throat> film. Yeah. Now, and this is I the thing. I think it might actually be scary if you got a uh, different actor. Yeah. God, yeah. Like, if you had somebody who... Now, and I'm not going to say took this seriously, because first of all, this movie is um, crazier than a football bat. It doesn't need to be taken seriously. But I do feel like the character Peter Lowe, who is a literary agent, uh, who is, like, just sort of a, a shitty 1980s, you know, New York yuppie... Um, one thing that I love about Nicolas Cage, aside from everything with his performances, n- I never feel like I'm getting his B material. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> right, right. He, <laughs> like, he's so never... There is a scene in this movie where Peter Lowe is walking down the streets of New York saying, I'm a vampire. Oh my Please God. Please stake me through the heart. He grabbed actual pedestrian so like that scene Mm -hmm. where he's walking across the street and the cars are stopping that's a very midnight cowboy really they're like no one will hit you if you just walk across the street (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's real and he's just going up to them with a giant like a fence post being like my girlfriend broke up with me because i'm a vampire can you kill me and they're like hurrying away quickly yeah Um, yeah that's 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 a shoot that well, really you know, happened 100% a shoot apparently uh nicholas cage is you know committed to especially especially during this time uh being a method actor and this included eating an actual cockroach um this involves like a he again nicholas cage is not a good actor but he is so singularly intense in this performance it's like if Klaus Kinski wasn't a good actor. <laughs> like, it's just this incredibly intense thing, just in all of the wrong directions. Now, well, the movie starts out... Uh, Can you we... imagine My Greatest Fiend, but you re- you replace Kinski with Nicolas Cage? <laughs> yeah, Werner Herzog's like, yeah, you know, I was ready to shoot Nicolas Cage uh, because he wasn't gonna... <laughs> You know what, actually? I would pay good American dollars to see Nicolas Cage in a Herzog movie. Like, I would... I feel like Werner Herzog, if he hasn't already met Nicolas Cage, would be fascinated by Nicolas Cage upon upon meeting him. Yeah. Um, now, so the movie starts uh, with therapy. Now, there's a lot of therapy throughout this movie, and I think it was having a real moment in the late 80s where, like, at this point it was pretty much... Like, it, it wasn't such an insane thing anymore that, you know, you go to therapy even if your life isn't actively falling apart. Um, but I think at the time, people were still kind of adjusting to the idea of maybe going to see somebody who's not a family member or a friend to talk about your problems. And it was also, I think, a status symbol. Like, it's very mm. much in this, in the late 80s, a only rich New Yorkers can afford to go to therapy and talk about their problems. Yeah, yeah, completely. Like, this isn't, you know, it wasn't as ubiquitous as it is now. Now, of course, you know, it's still stigmatized and hard to access, and America is still a nightmare dimension, but, you know, you can have the same struggles if you're middle class. So that's that's kind of like progress. Um, and we get, now, his therapist, uh, I love, by the way, movie psychiatrists whose duties are so nebulous where like a psychiatrist in real life 
prescribes you drugs. They listen to your symptoms and they go, eh, I don't know, try Prozac. And then they throw pills at the wall and see what sticks. Movie psych, and this is, by the way, also NBC Hannibal, like, oh, Hannibal Lecter is a psychiatrist? Like, no, he's like an evil life coach. <laughs> like, it's, it's really involved. But so she is uh, his therapist. Nicolas Cage's accent in this movie, how would you describe it? So it's supposed to be, again, method, it's supposed to be a <laughs> Transylvanian accent. <laughs> is that what that is? But it's like a weird valley girl filtered through a sock with some garlic in it. I don't know what it is. It's bizarre. <laughs> yeah. Now, it's uh, it's kind of, it reminds me of, speaking of vampires in Romania, it kind of sounds like Keanu Reeves attempted an English accent in Bram Stoker's Dracula as Jonathan Harker. Yeah, but... or or like Snake from The Simpsons in the community <laughs> um, theater rendition of Dracula the Said Show. He totally sounds like Snake. I had not realized that. Uh, but yeah, you know, he's... Um, the movie, apparently he does this accent when he's trying to impress somebody or he's in a setting where he needs to look fancy... I don't fucking buy it. He just kind of slips in and out of it when it happens, and there's no real reason for it. Yeah, there um, is no, like, method to this madness. It is just... <laughs> he he went with a choice. I, th- I think that's mm-hmm. really how you can summarize Nicolas Cage's career is, you know, <laughs> he made a choice and just went with it. Choices that were made. Day. Yeah, that's exactly it. Like, oh, my agent wants me to try something. And it's just him, like, screaming and throwing himself face first. Now, Quincy, a thing happened to me today uh, where I was uh, re-watching it um, because it's the movie Vampire's Kiss and I needed something to watch while I was working. Um, and you know that thing of when you're watching a movie or something and somebody from another room walks in when, like, a titty pops out and they're like, whoa, what are you watching? Um the greatest thing in the world happened uh, because I, so I work at a big long desk with Sarah uh, during the day and they happened to look over at the exact moment that a boob popped out while Nicolas Cage was making out with her and was about to be like, what are you? And then at that exact moment, a bat puppet pops out on the screen <laughs> screaming, just like, Bleh! and it was, and then there was a long pause and Sarah looked at me and I was like, well, I'm watching the movie Vampire's Kiss is what I'm doing. <laughs> Um, this bat puppet now, so Nicolas Cage, uh, Peter Lowe, the, the, the literary agent. Sure. He's a literary agent. That's great. Um, he is, you know, he likes the nightlife comma. He likes to boogie. And so he goes to this club and brings, um, brings this lady back with him. She's Uh, an escort. Like it's very clearly clear that she's an escort the whole time. Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. And she, um, they're about to, you know, get down to business. And then the bat flies into the room. Um, you know the scene in Nightmare on Elm Street Part 2 where the bird is flying around the room attacking Clue Gulliger? Um, this is basically that, where it's like sort of bat cam we get, where it's just like veering and zooming toward Nicolas Cage from the ceiling. And he fights off this bat. Uh, but so there is a bat that is there and then he goes to the therapist's office this is incredible he tells the therapist i was aroused while fighting this bat and that's where he leaves their session before walking out of the office (laughs) was like i fought a bat last night and my dick was hard all right bye and just moonwalks out immediately and again it's that very hollywood depiction of psychotherapy because dr glazer's like yeah (laughs) yeah yeah it's incredible i love by the way uh that at his next therapy appointment i I appreciate that she opens the session with like so hey let's circle back to that bat fight that almost made you nut (laughs) (laughs) she's not she's not letting that slide she's got some follow-up questions um but so he uh, finds another lady, uh, is it at like a club or something, who is a uh, ostensibly a wumpier? Yeah, so he finds Jennifer Beals, and they go back to his apartment, and he gets bitten on the neck, and then he's like, nope, I'm a vampire now. Yeah, bitten on the neck, and not even just bitten on the neck, this is my favorite thing. 
This is not sexy vampire movie biting. She just like latches onto him like a fucking snake, just like mouth, and then doesn't go move or go anywhere. And, you know, she's just really latching on uh, for dear life. And then, uh, you know, she she drinks his blood. And I feel like, uh, in terms of fucking, if you have fruit punch mouth after biting your sexual partner, you're doing it wrong. Don't, yeah. don't do that. That's too much biting. So, the crazy thing is... This movie posits that that was, she is not a vampire. Because then (laughs) he has an idealized version of Jennifer Beals, and he goes on to that. And later we realize he has an idealized version of his therapist, Dr. Glazer, and we actually see him talking to both of these characters at different points in the movie, and they're not there, and we get unvarnished reactions of passers-by saying, whoa, get a load of this um, guy. Yeah, which actually very relatable, where, you know, the fear that my therapist is, like, hovering in the background like a ghost judging my behavior, going, Ryan. (laughs) Um, That's, yeah. Yeah, like, he... So, here's my question. Is uh, Jennifer Beals' character who uh, bites the flying dog shit out of Nicolas Cage's neck, is she real initially? Is this a real person to start out with? See, this is a problem because later in the movie, I think the answer is it's a bad movie and it's <laughs> not well made. It's because later in the movie, uh, Peter runs up to her and says, it's me, I'm your vampire minion, don't you recognize me? And she's like, I, yeah, you're one of my Johns, but I don't, I'm I'm working right now, I, I don't need you to interrupt this. Yeah, like, uh, well, this is embarrassing, but it's New York City in the 1980s and you're a yuppie, yes, we've fucked, please leave now? Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's what it is, is like, he, uh, now... His performance in this movie, I'm not surprised that he is this obsessive when somebody actually pays attention to him, because he is, um, his performance, I mean, I don't know, trying to describe Nicolas Cage's performance in this movie, it's almost ineffable in a way, because, like, if you try describing it, you're not doing it justice. I think what I like is a lot of criticism from the 80s. A lot of film critics were like, he starts at a 10 and then goes up from there. Yeah, he really does. Like, And you know what? I'm just going to go on record as saying, I like and respect Nicolas Cage for the fact that he changed his name to Nicolas Cage so that he, that he didn't benefit because of being named Nicolas Coppola. But I'm also like, okay, Nicholas Cage, everybody knows it's you. They know you're Nicholas Coppola. Yes, they're going to give you the job. Um, But I do appreciate the gesture at like, no, you know, I want to make it on my own steam. I don't want to get incredibly bizarre acting jobs just because of my last name. And I think that's kind of (laughs) nice. Yeah. So, So is any of it real? This is the problem is because we don't get a clear split in the movie where like okay now everything's imagined so like does dr glazer even exist does jennifer beale's character ever truly exist what is supposed to be real in this movie so you think it might be like a a beautiful mind situation i i don't want it to be but i think (laughs) maybe that's what it's supposed to be because it doesn't really but he has a vampire bite on his neck. Like, he actually yeah. is walking around, and even in the scenes where we see him at his lowest, and, like, we're, we're it's presented as this is the unvarnished truth, mm-hmm. he has a Band-Aid and a big puncture wound on his neck. Yeah, I actually, my, my I choose to believe that uh, Jennifer Beale's uh, character, who is an escort at the, at the top of the movie, was definitely real. And I think she did definitely um, give him the biggest, craziest anaconda bite this side of the Hudson River. But I think after that, he just fixated on her and was already having a mental break and decided... I mean, you know what, though? After getting chewed on like that, I'm sure I would also go like, was that a fucking vampire? There was a bat the night before, and now this. So I'm just responding to the fucking variables. Um, but also the end of the movie where Alva's brother actually murders Peter with a stake mm-hmm. is 
hard to believe too. See, this is the problem: is when you start a movie and you ruin all trust with your audience, mm-hmm. then nothing matters. Because even at the end of the movie, where it's supposed to be like he's actually murdered, I'm like, nope, this is all so imagined <laughs> because. It is the most half-hearted staking I've ever seen in a movie. <laughs> you know what? The, uh, Vampire's Kiss did an ungainly Count Orlock shuffle so that American Psycho could run. Like, the ending of American Psycho, you know, with, like, Feed Me a Stray Cat and, you know, Paul Allen is alive and none of this happened. I feel like at that point, that's an interesting twist because of what you've been following the entire movie, where this one... You do not have terra firma to stand on at any point of this movie. Like, there's yeah. nowhere to start from. That's because American Psycho has consistency, and it develops a theme <laughs> throughout an entire movie. And even there's a coherence in their watching Reagan talking about Contra and not knowing about it. And mm. you get, and you even get Justin Thoreau's character talking about like, see, he's he's not as foolish as we think he's like crazy like a fox that old codger knows what he's doing he's just lying on screen Mm -hmm. and like that that gels into this like you know we don't know what could be real and what is what is even like actual insanity and faked insanity and faking that you're normal and pretending and yeah it makes an interesting thing yeah this movie is like the bat in the beginning just nuts and everywhere (laughs) (laughs) suddenly just bat just out of fucking nowhere yeah i mean well and and the thing is that nicholas cage's performance is both wildly entertaining and i think sort of i don't know i don't i don't think deliberately but keeps you on moored because you can't stop being like what the fuck is happening like he can't do a normal line reading at any point i also Um, find it fascinating that he decides that he's going to uh, stick with it and you know he 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 tacks up all his windows with blankets and he starts sleeping underneath his couch because he doesn't have a coffin in his apartment and he goes yeah. to an occult store to buy vampire fangs and this is one of my favorite scenes because the shop owner is talking about like look at these really quality fangs. They they have just <laughs> a little bit of yellow, so they blend in with with people's normal teeth, mm-hmm. and they're just really great. I have them imported. They're made from real porcelain. And he's like, well, how much are they? He's like nineteen ninety five. And he's like, and Peter pulls out his wallet, and there's like two dollars in it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's like, well. I also had these cheapy ones and handsome Dracula teeth like from a trick or treat bucket. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's pretty great. He these teeth, by the way. Um now we should get into one of the big things in the movie. Uh I would say that maybe eighty percent of this movie is about finding a specific copy of a contract with a writer. Yes, so Peter Lowe has an assistant named Alva, and he has decided to torture her. Yeah, he is her fucking tormentor. Like, most of this movie is Nicolas Cage being mean to Alva. Um, and she is, you know, she 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 uh, is tasked with finding a copy of a contract that must be in the office somewhere. Um, and I does think... Does the contract even exist? Oh, wow. Does the op- Does she even exist? Like, it does, is, you know, the fact that he only had, like, $2 in his wallet, but he's meant to be, like, high-powered literary agent guy... Would make sense if he was just, like, covered in blood in a shitty suit at the end of the movie. And it's like, oh, that's been him the whole time. Great. Um, but, so Alva is uh, just tr- doing her best, trying to be an assistant to this guy. And he just keeps, you know, berating her about the fact that the contract must be around here somewhere and you're very bad for not finding it. Um, it makes sense to me that uh, on, on, on some level of, like, you're having a mental break and you're fixating on this one thing and just grinding it into a pulp because you can't stop fixating on it. I also like that Peter is a literary agent, but he's an international literary agent. So <laughs> yeah. he is in like the smallest branch of his publishing office. Like they don't publish many international writers. So it's like, a low-key, uninteresting thing. Yeah, yeah. And and it's... 
I don't know. Like, he doesn't have to be a literary agent, by the way. Like, I there's no... It makes me think of how in so many uh, horror movies, like, the most popular profession is, like, architect. Just, <laughs> just so, just the, the, the horror world, lousy with architects. Um, and so Peter, uh, like, starts ramping up his abuse of Alva, like, chases her across the office and into a bathroom. This is one of my favorite moments, actually, uh, where he chases her into the bathroom and he's, like, screaming at her. And then this old woman in the bathroom, while walking out, says, what the fuck is going on? And then immediately leaves. <laughs> like, I guess you weren't really interested in the answer to that question. Actually, almost all the bathroom scenes in this movie are glorious. There's another time where Peter is having a meltdown in the bathroom, and the guy says, I'm trying to take a shit here. <laughs> He's like, you don't understand, I'm a vampire. He's like, and I'm pooping. Good for you. <laughs> Yeah, we all got problems, pal. Like, he's, yeah, like, oh, no, I'm turning into a vampire. and like Don't you know. eat the clams, bud. <laughs> yeah, well, and, like, I, I feel like the camera is always telling you, always, always, that, indeed, he is not a vampire, and this is not a supernatural horror movie. The thing about it is, though, the, the score of the movie and, like, so many of the external shots, it's like it's trying to tell you that it's a vampire movie in a way that, like... Guys, I I know I know Peter Lowe isn't really a vampire. You don't have to keep putting so much salt and pepper on this. It's scary because it's a psychological horror movie. <laughs> and it's yeah. scary because he's actually terrorizing his secretary. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now, there's to the point where she purchases a gun and brings it to work with her. I'm yeah. I'm I'm gonna go on the record as saying if you feel the need to buy a gun because you think your boss might attack you, go go home for the day and then don't come back. You know what I mean? Like there's I and know yet, you yet in this movie, Elva's mother's like, big deal, you don't like your boss. Everyone hates their boss. Suck it up and go to work. You can't stay home in bed. <laughs> Yeah, like, it's, I don't know how she impresses upon her mother, like, no, no, I truly cannot stress enough how much my boss is Nicolas Cage in Vampire's Kiss. <laughs> like, it's so fucking scary. Um, I mean, she does get sexually assaulted by him right after that, too. Yeah, yeah, pretty much immediately. She, um, it's, it's rough. Uh, and now he, so he attacks her and is looking for the contract and, you know, she has the gun Apparently, like, her brother or someone gives her the gun, and it's full of blanks. Yeah, he's like, listen, you don't need to have this gun. Um, all we have around here are blanks, so just use those. Yeah, just use blanks and, like, fire them off, and uh, it'll, you know, scare them off, because they'll see the bang and go, whoa, shit, and then run away. Um, and so Nicolas Cage, you know, sort of corners her in the basement. He's like, shoot me, shoot me, shoot me. And then she keeps shooting, and then nothing happens. Um, he assaults her, she, like, is unconscious, and he puts, he puts the gun in his mouth and pulls the trigger and nothing happens. Um, and also, at this point, he starts crying while actually yelling, boo-hoo. Which yes. is really outstanding. He, he actually says, boo-hoo! <laughs> boo-hoo! It's so good. Um, it's, especially while doing, like, fake cry face. God, this movie's a masterpiece. Um, but, so, so what he takes... I find fascinating is... Basically, we're given this as like, okay, he attempts suicide, mm -hmm. he shoots himself with a gun, it doesn't kill him, so his flowchart of a brain goes, therefore I am vampire. Yeah, yeah, that like, he, I assume, was like, oh, I pulled a trigger and I didn't die. I guess that means I'm a vampire now. But it's also like, okay, you're even if you didn't die, wouldn't you have like... A hole in the back of your head that schloops closed after the I bullet mean, exits? Brandon Lee, uh, God rest his soul, was killed with a gun firing blanks. You know, that's maybe it was just enough to give him like a really nasty infection that would kill him in a few days. Yeah. Um, but so he gets the fangs. He tries calling his therapist from a payphone with the fangs still in his mouth. And she's and like, I cannot understand you. It's incredible. Like, Nicolas Cage, I I appreciate that he is not worried about looking stupid. <laughs> like, he is... There is no ego. No, none, none. It's great. Uh, he, uh, you know, we, we progress to the point of him eating pigeons. Um, he chases a pigeon around uh, on the ground and catches it, which apparently... 
Um, they drugged this pigeon to make it easier for Nicolas Cage to catch it. Um, Cage just thought that he was like an above average pigeon catcher. Oh, no. <laughs> he was just like, wow, I caught that pigeon. No problem. Shit. Um, but they did they did drug this pigeon. Uh, and so he uh, eats a pigeon and also a cockroach. It is a real cockroach that he eats. Um, it's rough, the cockroach. It was supposed to be like a fly. And he's like, no, a cockroach would look better on screen. <laughs> I mean, he's not wrong. It's a good-looking cockroach. <laughs> it looks meaty. It, like, he looks like he eats a cockroach because he eat, eats a cockroach. Um, and then at this point, you know, the therapist is, like, trying to talk with him about anything. And he's just, like, uh, at this point, he's gone, like, completely heels to Jesus. Like, he is down this hole. He is going crazy. He goes to a club. Um, again, with the, the vampire fangs in. And then he just starts uh, murdering women? How would you describe his moves going through this club? I mean, he's biting people with... Here's the other thing. Plastic fangs are not sharp. So how the fuck is he puncturing human flesh and murdering people? I mean, if he had had, like, $10, I'm sure he could have gotten, like, the enamel teeth. Like... I love, by the way, that that pawn shop guy has, like, a vast selection of fake fangs you can have. Like, oh, this is this is our porcelain package. This gives you a really nice pair. But, you know, we've got a new one in. It's the 80s, baby. Here's green marble. Like, it's... I don't know. There's got to be space between, like, bespoke uh, pre-yellowed fangs that look like real teeth and Halloween fake fangs. Um, <laughs> yeah. And, you know, he tries biting people with the fake fangs, and it doesn't really work, so he takes them out and just starts fucking hauling off and biting them for real. Yeah. Um, it's pretty rough. Uh, and, you know, at this club, he uh, has a vision of uh, Rachel, uh, the vampire lady, who, by the way, throughout this movie, we keep getting these shots of Nicolas Cage talking to no one there, and... It, it's just outstanding. Like, he's he's just, like, staring off into the middle distance, just, you know, being like, yeah, you can come into the shower with me, and it's it's a lot. Um, but she, at this point, um, comes to him in a vision with her new boyfriend. Uh, what's his name? Dan or something? He's just another, like, Peter. He's just another New York yuppie. Yeah, just some fucking, yeah, shitty yuppie, and... Uh, in a dream sequence, or like, you know, he's at the club and he, he hallucinates her being like, yeah, I got a new shit butt yuppie now. And Dan, the shit butt yuppie is like, yeah. And then they walk off and he like has a breakdown and he's yelling like, no, I love you. Um, he runs through the club, finds, uh, Rachel and some dude the, the, I, I think this is the real woman he actually slept with at the top of the movie who just is trying to have a nice night out and make some money. Yeah. And she's like, I know you, but I'm at work. And I, <laughs> I really like the, the gentleman's agreement that, yes, uh, we are all sleeping with prostitutes, but we're never going to acknowledge that we're sleeping with the same prostitutes because it's the 80s, baby. <laughs> you know, that's, that's what it is. Like, it's not, it's not weird if you all wear sunglasses during this encounter, I feel. <laughs> Uh, and Nicolas Cage, by the way, at this point is wearing these, like, big, like, Bret Hart-sized sunglasses, uh, because he believes that the sun is hurting him, and he can't be in it, but if he wears sunglasses, then it's fine. There's a scene where he's walking down the sidewalk, and he comes across a church with a neon crucifix. Oh, yeah. Oh, man, it's great. And he's just... And he howls in the street. <laughs> I mean, it's great because, like, I think what would be probably a better movie than this would be uh, Nicolas Cage Loses His Shit, Vampire's Kiss, 1988. That's just like a compilation of every scene in this movie of him losing his mind. There's a scene uh, where he's talking to his therapist about, you know, finding the contract. And he uh, says the alphabet threateningly. <laughs> and it's, <laughs> it's so good. Um, so, so... Earlier in this movie, we have to talk about uh, Alva calls out sick because her boss is a psycho. Sure. Uh, it's a great so, reason. So because Peter is a reasonable adult, he goes through his Rolodex and finds her fucking home address. 
and drives to her home and knocks on the door. This and is... he says to her, she's like, I can't open the door, I'm sick. And he says, that's why I brought you soup. And holds up a fucking Newman's own McDonald's <laughs> salad dressing packet of soup. Yeah. It is the smallest, weirdest little baggie. It's like, I brought you soup because you're sick. <laughs> and she's like, I'm not actually sick, I just hate you. And he's like, I know. Like, you're just That's mean and scary. Here. Yeah, I thought it was like a seasoning packet. Like, this is... Now, and I don't know if it's just because... Um, so, at my house, we're watching Ugly Betty for the first time. Uh, or I'm, I should say, I'm watching it for the first time. Sarah's seen it, like, ages ago. And... There's something so bizarre to me about, like, somebody's boss coming to their house after hours. Like, you gotta keep your your uh, sausage and eggs on opposite sides of the plate there. Listen, like, the offspring knew what they were saying when they said you gotta keep them separated. <laughs> <laughs> Listen to your friends, the offspring. Like, there's, you know, scenes on Ugly Betty where, like, her boss, you know, sort of, you know, like, they're kind of friends, but there's, like, it's there's a weird power dynamic. Anyway, Nicolas Cage... I think that's actually, this is what my sleep paralysis demon looks like, is the sunglassed face of Nicolas Cage in this film popping up in the window going, I brought soup! Um, and he, you know, gives her an apology, kind of, where he's just like, yeah, sorry, I'm being really weird and mean and erratic, and I attacked you physically in real life. Um, and he, or wait, was that, did, does that happen after he... Uh, he attacks her multiple times. He doesn't rape her yet but he has uh chased her around the office and like roughed her up good lord it's just a lot um yeah. now at this point i feel like alva call the cops she actually says i'm gonna call the cops and he's like no don't call the cops um i'm not generally a big fan of calling the cops if nicholas cage in vampire's kiss is waving soup at me from the window I'm calling the fucking cops. Like, this is... It's a lot. Um, now, she... Uh, he attacks her, and then we sort of move toward um, the climax of the movie where he has started just straight-up murdering people. And he is so distraught that he finds an old pallet in an alley. He breaks off a giant three-foot board that's pointy and it starts begging people to stake him through the heart. Yeah, and there's a lot of really great Nicolas Cage yell acting here where it's just him dragging the stake through the street, just, like, howl moaning at the top of his lungs with his eyes closed, uh, shambling forward, and he... Now, we get a, a hallucinatory exchange between... Um, Peter and his therapist where, you know, people are passing by and they just, you know, what they see is him. I think he's talking to like a statue or something. What yeah, is it? it's like a, um, it's framed like it's a bust, but what it actually is are like wrought iron fence posts. Okay. I was thinking of those like little uh, cubicle uh, large uh, fan units outside houses that you would hang out around with your friends when you were a kid. Um, the, you know, so he's having this imagined exchange with her where he's just like, oh, you know, I just want to find love. And I'm, you know, once I find love, everything is going to be okay. Yeah. So she's like, oh, why didn't you say so? Here's my other patient, Sharon. You two Which... would get along great. Ethics would <laughs> make one <laughs> ask, why would you ever do that? Just stunningly unethical. Yeah, professionally, just setting up your, your patients with each other. Like, don't worry about a thing. You're going to get along great. Um, and, you know, they, they have the moment of like, wow, do you, what, what are your favorite things? And then it's like hiking and sushi. Like, wow, me too. And then you see him having this imagined conversation um, while, uh, Emilio, Alva's brother, is now gunning for him because he just attacked his sister. Yeah. And so Peter goes back to his house, immediately starts having an argument with imaginary Sharon and tells her to go fuck herself. And like, <laughs> I love that even his imagined relationships are doomed to fail. Just, just <laughs> torpedoing everything. Yeah, like, he's, you know, it's, it's, Which, it's a lot. it's so great because... We finally realize that the reason why Dr. Glazer is a terrible uh, mental health professional is that she's a projection of what a New York yuppie thinks a <laughs> mental health professional does in the 1980s. 
to the fact that he says, oh, by the way, I uh, sexually assaulted my employee. And Dr. Glazer said, it's just your id. Don't worry about it. Everyone yeah. does it. Yeah, and he's like, oh, I did also straight up murder some people. And that's her just being like, ah, nobody's perfect. And like hand, <laughs> hand waving it. Um, Go on, yeah. you crazy kids. Have fun. But you know what, though? I love that even if it's a figment of his imagination, I love that his therapist didn't let that shit slide when she came back and was like, so about last session when you talked about busting a nut because you killed a bat, can we talk about that? Like, even the dream therapist was like, no, 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 no. Sorry, back up the fucking fun bus. So, we, gotta, we gotta deal with that real quick. I know it's a dream, but it's insane that there's a point where Peter's like, wait a minute, and quotes a really long passage from Wordsworth. And Sharon's mm -hmm. like, oh, Wordsworth. I like Wordsworth a lot. Have you ever, in, in the plane of reality, heard anyone who can pick up uh, 18th century British poetry by a random stanza. There's exactly one person, and it's my college professor who taught a class entirely about Wordsworth and Coleridge. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's, it's just him. Lovely guy. Because he got a doctorate degree in <laughs> specifically those poems. You know what? He was a great teacher. I still fucking hate Wordsworth and his poetry because... He, it's bad, but you know I love that he loves Wordsworth. Like that's that's worth much more to me. Um, but yeah, so he gets back to his house, tells the imaginary Sharon to fuck off, and uh, now there's a big leather couch that is up upside down on the floor, and the sun comes in through the window, and Nicholas Cage is like bah, and like drops to the floor, shambles under the couch as a kind of makeshift coffin, um. And then Alva's brother Emilio busts into the apartment looking for him, throws the thing open, and sees Nicolas Cage with the huge, huge stake poised immediately above his heart. Very convenient. Um, and then, uh, yeah, Emilio hammers it home, and the last thing Peter sees before mercifully be being dead is the face of Rachel being like, oh, I love you, and that's it. And this is why this is not a comedy, because there's no yakety sacks when he's being murdered. <laughs> there's no... The end credits are the most dour brooding of the entire score. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's this horrible script about this, like, imagined relationship and his world falling apart. They've actually termed Minion's movies the Anxiety Trilogy. Really? What are his other what is what what are his other movies? Um After Hours by Scorsese. Oh Scorsese. And yeah. um so Joseph uh Minion uh worked on uh After Hours, Vampire's Kiss, and Trafficking, which we are called the Anxiety uh trilogy. He also wrote Motor Motorama, which is about <laughs> a kid stealing a car and driving it across America. Well that's fun. Um I mean, Vampire's Kiss, like, that's exactly it. Like, if there's a, you know what? If there's a scene in your movie where Nicolas Cage is berating uh, his employee, like, Willem Dafoe yelling at Arpats in the lighthouse, it's not a fucking comedy. Like, there's nothing, there's nothing fun about this. Aside, from, I mean, obviously it's fun because it's Nicolas Cage trying to see how big he can get his eyes, and also his eyebrows are insane, and also he has uh, the haircut of a psychopath. So that's fun. But yeah, this is 100% like trying to rebrand it after the fact. And you know what? The poster They're... does it too. So mm -hmm. the poster is <clears throat> Nicolas Cage's goofy face under that couch and Jennifer Beale's legs and stockings. And it says, seduction, romance, murder, the things one does for love. You know what? That poster makes me so mad because it's basically like, it looks like Drop Dead Fred or some shit. It does. Like, like they're just trying to be like, ah, vampire's kiss. And you know that they made this, while making this movie, they were like, we're going to we're gonna get into some real shit, you know? And, and the thing is, there is the germ of an interesting movie in this. Yes. Like, I love the idea of somebody having this mental break, believing they are a vampire, uh, you know completely torching their life because they're, you know, like, I, I'm into narratives like that, and, you know, if it were anybody but Nicolas Cage, it might have been that, but 
it would also be more boring than the movie's than the movie Vampire's Kiss. Like what I really like is how even when this movie came out, everyone hated it. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh nobody. No, it, it, a, a critical and commercial failure. Uh, My favorite it's... is Peter Travers wrote that um, the film didn't need further criticism, but instead a stake through the heart. It's like destroying <laughs> it from orbit. <laughs> it's the only way to be sure. Um, I mean, the thing is, if I, you know, if I had uh, been a person in 1988 who had just watched this movie, I wouldn't know what to do with the experience I had just had. Like, I, th- this, this, this movie experience, trying to describe it to anybody... It's like trying to explain the aristocrats joke or something. Like it's just like no, just just watch the movie and then now you'll know. Yeah. Oh. So yeah, I think it it's just like a case of an interesting idea was given to I don't know and in I mean Robert Bierman was new. Mm-hmm. He'd only done commercials, and this is his first <laughs> movie, his yeah. first feature-length film. Maybe that's why it's so insane. I It torpedoed his career. He went back to directing television. Oh, bless. Oh, you know what? We should all be so lucky, though. It's like, oh, man, I got to return to my day job as a TV director. Like, it's good, <laughs> it's good work if you can get it. My favorite thing, this is Nicolas Cage's favorite movie he has ever done. <laughs> he he loved making this movie. Uh and you know what? That's on screen. You can see him just ha- hooting and hollering left, right and center, just having an absolute ball making this movie. And I love that even now in 2021 he's like, "Yeah, I fucking loved making Vampire's Kiss. That was a great movie. I had a lot of fun." Um it yeah, yeah, it's it's truly incredible. Um I also appreciate that they kind of they go all in on on the the blood effects like it this is good movie blood i feel yes it's very good blood um, yeah they did that also david hyde pierce makes a cameo in this movie wait what where's he he is credited as theater guy <laughs> holy shit oh, so all right so looking at our list uh, scrolling down. Okay, so is it safe to just go ahead and say it's not as good as Dead Ringers? <laughs> I feel comfortable saying that it's not as good as Dead Ringers. Um, I mean, you know, very, very similar narratives, very different executions. Uh, looking down the list a little bit, uh, at number... Ooh, wait a minute. Okay. Uh, at number 72, we have Mulholland Drive. I'm... Giving the edge to Mulholland Drive, I think. Do we need to scroll way farther down the list? I think we need to scroll significantly <laughs> farther down the list. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right, okay. So, at so okay, m- what about American Psycho at number 47? <laughs> it's not as good as American Psycho. It's not as good as Tammy and the T-Rex at 57 either. No, 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 certainly not. I'm 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 looking down the list of ways. Okay, here we go. Quincy at number 115, we have Saw from 2004. I feel comfortable saying that Vampire's Kiss is a better movie than Saw. Now hold on a minute. I uh-huh. don't. <laughs> okay, there we go. Because it Saw has narrative consistency. As batshit crazy <laughs> as the twist of that movie is, true. there are seeds throughout the film that make it work. Yeah, and this isn't me dunking on Saw. I really like that first Saw film. I think what I was going to... My, my, my criteria for that was the fact that I'm like, well, you know, Saw is very joyless and very grim, where I feel like Vampire's Kiss is like... I feel like I've just had way too much mescaline, and I've been in a hot car for like three days. Oh, it's a hoot, but it is an inscrutable <laughs> hoot. That's why it's, I it's would feel yeah. more comfortable comparing it with Haosu, uh, the Japanese movie House from 1977. Mm-hmm. And in wait, terms where... of a, let's just do what? What's scary? Things that don't make sense. So a guy mm-hmm. turns into bananas. Yeah. And so House uh, at number 147, uh, I think House is probably better than this. Oh, for sure. Um, 
Now, here we go. Okay. Oh, wait. Dead Ringers is at 151. God damn. Why did we drop that so far down the list? Uh, you know. Oh. What's... <laughs> oh, that's right. Oh, all that all that stuff that happens. Um, <laughs> scrolling down. Okay. Quincy, at number uh, 214, uh, we have Happy Death Day. Um, which do you think is a better movie? Happy Death Day or Vampire's Kiss? Happy Death Day. Like, none of these has made me even pause for a moment. <laughs> The Beastmaster is better than this. That Cody Myrick Scary Stories documentary is better than this because you have to w- watch that PTO mother wrestle with what she's done with her life. <laughs> Let's see. The Blade Devil's... Trinity with Triple H and the Vampire Dog is better than this movie. <laughs> okay, look, that Vampire Pomeranian was a was a was a true professional and a gentleman. All of his co-stars loved him. Um, you know what? Actually, looking at the list, let's see. Devil's Rejects at 239 is a okay, better okay. movie. The true litmus test. Yeah. Maniac Cop is 243. Okay. Um, Maniac Cop 2, the one with the tie-in wrap. Yes. Um, wow, Night of the Hunters at 242? Good lord. We gotta have an episode at some point where we relitigate some of, <laughs> some of the movies on this list. Um, now I feel like, okay, two things are true for me. Maniac Cop 2 is not, is not as good as Vampire's Kiss on the level that most of it is very forgettable to me, um, at least in terms of, like, it's a great movie with some really cool fire effects, there's some really cool stunts, Bruce, the handsome face of Bruce Campbell is there for, like, 15 minutes, uh, but Vampire's Kiss, I mean, it single-handedly created the concept of memes, I feel, which should, I don't know if that should be in its favor or not, but this movie is iconic in a way that Maniac Cop 2 just kind of isn't for me. I'm with you, except that Ravenous is below Maniac Cop 2. Oof, man, Ravenous is so much better than this. Okay, but right below Ravenous at 255 is Faust, Love of the Damned, and I will say that this movie is, Vampire's Kiss is better than Faust. Oh, Faust, Love of the Damned is, like, obviously, like, sort of body horror, tokusatsu, like, madness, um, and I love it, but I think you're right. I think Vampire's Kiss, uh, if we're going with uh, eating people narratives... Not on Ravenous's level, but definitely better than Faust, colon, Love of the Damned. So yeah, so I feel good about that. So coming in at our new number 255 is 1988's Vampire's Kiss. <sighs> Guys, it's on, sh- it's on Shudder right now. I promise unto you, if you have not seen Vampire's Kiss... The things that the two of us have said ain't the half of it. It is a... It's also on Amazon Prime if you don't have a Shutter subscription. Oh, bless. Yeah, so please do yourself a favor. Uh, check out Vampire's Kiss um, if you have not already seen it. Quincy, where can our listeners find us on the internet? We are on your major major social media platforms uh, on Instagram at RankinVile and Twitter at RankinVileCast. Uh, but most everything can be found on our podcast network's website. That's FaustianNonsense.com. Yeah. And guys, um, if you enjoy the show, uh, consider leaving us a five-star review on iTunes. We always appreciate uh, those of you who have done it. Um, and uh, yeah, we, I honestly, guys, thank you for listening to the show and, and talking with us about all of the movies that we do on this show it's it's wonderful and we love the community you guys are you guys are perfect uh, don't but forget yeah. that for five dollars a month you can uh, get access to our bonus episodes on patreon where we talk about non-horror movies that don't that aren't really a good fit but are equally insane mostly uh you can hear our dad feelings about the uh, arm wrestling sylvester stallone movie over the top <laughs> For sure. And then also, I, I need, guys, I need you to understand, right before this podcast, we were talking about the movie Con Air, and then immediately going, oh, fuck, should we do Con Air for the, for the Patreon? <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, wild Nicolas Cage ventures. So, yeah, go ahead and check that out. Uh, for $5, you can, yeah, have access to all of our bonus material. For $2, access to our show notes. Um, so, yeah, so go and check that out at uh, patreon.com slash rankinvile. Uh, but, barring that, that is about all I've got. You got anything else? Stay spooky. Later, folks.